My grade one teacher stands out. Do you remember her name? Mrs. Paul. Mrs. Paul. She drove a yellow Corvette. A yellow? Wow, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the coolest. How old was she? Did you have like a gauge? See, to me, she was elderly. Right. Looking at it now, she was probably like 30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just have... Um, Kids and old people. You yeah, don't really there's distinguish. Like kids and adults. Yeah. And adults are so, so old to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh yeah, that's funny. Who is your favorite? My grade six teacher, uh, Miss Munsaf, and she was the first Do you know what? I've heard you've heard stories about her. Yeah. Of her already, yeah. Um we have like ornaments on our Christmas tree from her. But uh she was the first teacher i realized um like her actual age and like how close to our age she was um because it was like her first year of teaching and she had this grade five six split and the class was like real bad and she ran out crying one time and she came back and she's like guys i'm only like i can't remember exactly what she said she's like i'm only so many years older than you like i'm like she told us she's like i'm 22 I'm like fresh out of school. I'm not like your parents' age. You have to be better in my class. <laughs> like she basically like because I'm also a baby. Yeah, <laughs> basically <laughs> yes. And um, I just remember uh, everyone who was like not listening and being bad in the class was just like struck. Like they just looked so upset that they had caused this person that we actually really liked. Like as like we'd upset her. <laughs> basically. <laughs> I do remember teaching high school when I was 23, 24. Yeah. And there was 18 year olds in mm -hmm. my grade 12 class. And that was odd. But I had a beard. So they had no idea how old yeah, I was. You were an adult adult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I think back to like a lot of the teachers that I had. And I'm sure that they were all like 25. Mm -hmm. But they seemed like they were 60. If you're not one of us, you're old. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess that's as good a lead up as anything to our episode, which is another school one. Back to school part two. Back to school Still part two. School. So welcome everyone to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. My name is Indy Yellow Corvette Randawa, and with me is Samantha Crying Baby Randawa. <laughs> crying baby well i'm not a yellow corvette close <laughs> really <laughs> you are closer to a crying baby than i am to a yellow corvette yeah. you're closer to being a crying baby than i am to having a yellow corvette true okay <laughs> nickname stand <laughs> all right you crying baby what are we doing today uh so we are doing our second pre-episode for our back to school month and uh we are gonna have two spoiler free things of the week that are school related and then indy is going to reveal what his magical movie for next week is oh so magical is it i guess <laughs> i guess i just mentioned that it's like hotly anticipated 
Is it? I don't know. By I, whom? By me. Okay. Well, yeah, that's half the people in this room, so yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah. So hotly <laughs> anticipated. So, Andy, do you want to start us off with your spoiler-free thing of the fortnight? Yes. So my school-based thing of the week is the 2023 YRCA list. Awesome. So if you've been listening for a while, you'll know that I do this every year. Uh, the YRCA is the Young Reader's Choice Awards, and... They are books put together by the Pacific Northwest Library Association, and they are chosen by kids, voted on by kids, and there's three categories, 24 books, and I read them all every year. This is maybe the third or fourth time we've done it on the podcast. We're a little late this year. Usually I get to them before this, but I thought I'd save them for our back-to-school episode so you can get some suggestions for your back-to-school Kids. <laughs> yeah, this is a way to get kids reading. And I know it's heavily promoted over the summer for... That would make more sense. I should have been doing it then because kids had time to read for yes. fun. Now they're so busy. But who cares? Here's who cares? some more books to read. <laughs> so we are going to start off with the senior division, which is uh, targeted at high school age kids. And we'll talk about the winner of each division because this has already happened. Mm -hmm. This is last year's, the 2023 list. There are the 2024s are already out oh, and you can go you can and start, start reading. reading those. But let's look at last year's. So the winner was The Inheritance Games by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. I figured that would win. It's it's good. It's fine. It's uh, definitely a page turner. It's one of those like, who did this? And like, here's this big convoluted plot and someone's real handsome. So, you know, <laughs> people are going to love it. And they did. So it mm. won. I would have uh, voted for Dear Justice, which is a novel by Nick Stone. And it's a companion piece to Stone's earlier book, Dear Martin. And it's about um, racial injustice, friendship, and really the criminal justice system. The book follows Quan, who's a black teenager who is currently incarcerated. And he is writing letters to his childhood friend, Justice, who was the protagonist of that other book, if you read that one. And through those letters, he's reflecting on his life, his choices, and the circumstances that led him to be where he is now. There's lots of uh, grappling with questions of identity, responsibility, and the possibility of redemption, if that's even something that can be achieved. Hmm. And it's about someone kind of confronting their own past and confronting their future at the same time. So that would be my pick. It, uh, I don't think, even finished in the top five, but... oh. It, it sounds like a good book. I thought it was. So many years, The Senior is always my favorite. There's so many great novels yeah. there. Not so much this year. Hmm. I don't know. They were fine. Was there a lot of like orphans who don't know their lineage who turn out to be fantastic? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's a heavy theme in like the YA book. That's more in the intermediate division. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. <laughs> so in the intermediate division, which is kind of a junior high school aged one, the winner was The Paper Girl of Paris by Jordan Taylor. Yeah, it was pretty good, I guess. <laughs> it was kind of a mystery. And mysteries tend to get people on board because mm -hmm. you want to figure out what happens. Everybody loves a twist. I think my favorites were um, first The Henna Wars by Abida Jagirdar. It is a book about identity, cultural appropriation, and the story follows a... 
uh, Bangladeshi Irish teenager, because this is all taking place in Dublin, who is a talented artist and then uh, is doing henna work. And then someone comes along and says, hey, that's cool. I'm going to start doing that too. Competition. It's about cultural appropriation, but when someone thinks that they're not doing anything wrong Mm -hmm. and it's not about like, haha, I'm out to get you. It's about uh, learning. And I feel it's a much more nuanced take on that sort of thing than a lot of books are. And it has a cute love story too. Oh, that's So that was a good one. And also uh, punching the air, which was written by E.B. Zaboy and Yusuf Salam together. And this one is remarkable because Salam was one of the Central Park Five, or now called the Exonerated Five sometimes. Uh, Do you know about that at all? Not really, no. So this was a group of uh, five young Black and Latino men who were sent to jail for, uh, wrongfully committed, for a rape of a woman when he was 15. And he spent eight years in prison. And they they didn't do it. Oh. I think I do remember hearing about that. It happens so often. Like so often people go to jail for things they didn't do. So it's one of the most famous cases, but uh, sadly, not the only one. So to hear his story kind of come through in, uh, in this book was, it's powerful. It's not a retelling of what happened to him but it's largely autobiographical you can tell Hmm. he's drawing a lot from his real life and there's not many people who could write about something like that from a place of knowledge but he can that's amazing that sounds like one that i would actually really like to read it's a good one and eb zaboy if you're familiar has written a lot of books actually that had been on this list in the past five years uh who does some good work too Hmm. So then let's go over to the junior division. And I think the best books this year were in the junior division. Oh. Were there any graphic novels? Yes. Actually, the first place winner was Where Stars Are Scattered. It's a graphic novel by Victoria Jameson and Omar Muhammad. And I also loved it. It was great. Oh. I would maybe vote for this i think it's the second best book in this entire list but the other best one i think is in here too so where the stars are scattered is a a true memoir of muhammad's childhood growing up in the refugee camp in kenya so it's about him and his brother hassan who is non-verbal and they are just kind of going about their day-to-day life. They're finding food and water. They're trying to go to school. They're coping with the loss of their parents. And Omar, the writer, is kind of taking care of his brother who has a undiagnosed disability because there's not exactly Mm -hmm. people there to diagnose this. And it's a lot about the power and freedom that can be found through education and it's about resilience and strength and about these uh family bonds and then at the end you get some like photos from the real life characters that you've been seeing in these drawings the whole way through and you kind of remember like this is a real story and it's it's beautiful it's powerful it's touching it's really sweet and it's an easy read if you're looking for something for kids who have a hard time reading big things. They can mm-hmm. read this graphic novel that has some really great themes in it. 
Graphic novels now seem to be kind of the way in for readers. For a lot of like, people, Like, it seems like yeah. there's a lot more graphic novels out there now. And maybe I just wasn't. I think they're just being seen as legitimate now. Which, I think so. Which, when we were kids, it's like, oh, it's a comic book. Yeah. What are you reading that for? That's not reading. And now we know <laughs> that there's some really great stories being told there. And why are they worse for having illustrations to go with it? Oftentimes, they're better. Yeah. And, like long just as long as a novel some of those graphic novels you've brought home are quite thick actually i'm someone who didn't really give graphic novels a chance for much of his life although i grew up reading comic books Mm -hmm. i kind of thought of them as like yeah x-men i get it (laughs) but i've been getting more into some of those big giant landmark graphic novels over the last few years and there's a lot of good stuff i gotta say but my favorite book is uh, called Everything Sad is Untrue. This is a junior one. I think I've actually talked about it on the podcast because mm. we did our best of 2022. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. It took me a while to realize what year it was. We're almost at the best of 2023. Huh. So I think I might have talked about it there. I can't remember, but it, it's great. It's pretty heartbreaking, but it's such an honest memoir. The writer of this captures the most specific emotions, and it didn't just show me something new, like this is about uh, the challenges faced by a refugee. and That's a story that I've read. It's not something that I've experienced, but it shows you that. But then also, the emotions that he's able to tap into, it kind of showed me something that I had forgotten about my own life. Oh. It reminded me about all those things that are unique to being the only person that looks like you growing up. Uh, it reminded me of how people can treat you in those situations. It, it reminded me of so much of my childhood that I had forgotten. Because now, where we live, there are other non-white people. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, that wasn't the case. Yeah. There were three of us in my school. It was me, the one black kid, and the one Chinese kid. Oh, two Chinese kids. Right. And that was it. And that was in a school of like 800 people. Mm-hmm. So it's it's different now. And I, But this reminded me so much of that time and all of the emotions of a child going through that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten all about that. Oh, but I never said this is written by uh, Daniel Nairi. It's a semi-autobiographical, and it's about uh, him as a young boy who moves to the United States from Iran with his mother and sister. And it has a lot of the typical things that you would expect, like assimilating into a new culture, adapting to a different way of life, and then also how all that is wrapped up in his identity. And it's structured as a series of stories and anecdotes that he is telling his classmates in order to share his uh, personal history Mm. and kind of create a sense of his past. And through these tales, he recounts like his journey from Iran to Oklahoma, and he kind of weaves in these elements of mythology and family dynamics and cultural traditions and the complexities of war. It has themes of resilience and the power of storytelling is a big part of it, the search for belonging. A lot of it comes down to the impact of war and how it displaces people and destroys families, but it still shines light on the importance of preserving cultural heritage and finding strength in one's own identity. Uh, It talks about discrimination and xenophobia and the challenges faced by immigrants and refugees, but it does a better job at giving a very honest and nuanced portrayal of the struggles 
of someone who must kind of navigate through multiple cultures to reconcile their past with their present. Mm -hmm. And things like that aren't seen as often. We get a lot of stories about, oh, it's different here and I have to learn how to fit in (laughs) and here's my story. That's not something that is terribly new. But for a book that's aimed at such a young audience, and honestly, anyone can read this one. Mm It's in the junior category because he was, I think, 12 or something through most of the story. So it's like the protagonist. is. Yeah. So it fits that. And the language is simple enough for a young reader. But the themes, I don't want to say they're lost on kids because I think we underestimate what really works. Mm -hmm. But it is definitely fine for, for all ages. Like I read that and can really sit and I could spend an hour talking about all the nuance of this novel. It's fantastic. So uh, that's my pick out of all of them, I think, is Everything Sad is Untrue by Daniel Nairi. But go check them all out. And you can go look at uh, the next year. The 2024 picks are already up. I think I've read three of them so far. I'm not sure if I'm going to continue. Mm-hmm. Last year's, actually most years, the number of books I like has been going down a little bit each year. So I think oh, no. when it's like five good books, three great books out of 24, mm-hmm. it's it's a struggle to get through sometimes. So I'm not sure if I'm going to read them all again, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a big undertaking. And every year I'm like, oh, I could probably do it. And then I look at the books and I'm like, I don't know. None of these really speak to me. Yeah. Um, 24 books. The fact that you've read like a hundred YRCA books since we started this podcast is just wild to me. I also work with kids who are reading these, so it's nice to be able to suggest things. Yeah, and I'm sure they're excited to like have somebody to talk to. Nah, not really. Not really? (laughs) Not really. Oh. (laughs) Every Their parents are. Oh, okay. There's a few kids, but not many. Well, your top pick definitely sounds like something that uh, should be... In schools. Uh, In fact, I don't want to name the schools, but several schools were very angry that this was suggested and said that this is not for kids. Of course they are. So that's a thing too. That's not great. But Samantha, what do you got? What is your back to school thing of the fortnight? My thing of the fortnight is a novel called Anatomy, A Love Story by Dana Schwartz, who is... Um, the host of one of my favorite podcasts, Noble Blood. And um, she wrote a novel set in Edinburgh in 1817 about a girl named Hazel who is um, desperately wants to become a surgeon. And in 1817, only men could go to medical school. And um, she makes a deal by annoying the head of the medical school to the point where uh, he says, if you can pass the final exams for medical school, you can come study with us. And so she goes on this adventure where she realizes she needs to be able to study anatomy. And in the 1800s, the way they did that was with dead bodies. And she ends up meeting a friend who um, kind of supplies bodies to the medical school. And he um, kind of brings her into this world um, 
of uh, body trading and, um, and grave robbing. Grave robbing. Oh, I know a lot about that. And For some reason, that is like the most popular podcast story. I think I've listened to eight different podcasts. Oh, me too. All about yeah, that. about grave robbing and how that is how we know a bunch about medicine now. Yeah. Um. So you get uh kind of a glimpse of Hazel's daytime life, um, where she lives um with her family. Uh, and she's being kind of set up to marry a like wealthy man and how she wants the only thing she wants in the world is to become a doctor and uh, the length she's willing to go to to get it and um, you get to see kind of her nighttime life as well which is running around with grave robbers so that she can study bodies um, kind of for free <laughs> because also she doesn't have the money to pay for a body. <laughs> To study so i found this one really interesting it is a little bit more um like young adult than it is the books i normally read but i really enjoyed it it had a fun story and you get to kind of go on this like gothic um tour of edinburgh often called one of the most haunted cities in the world. Yeah, so it, it was very, very cool. Um, it's called Anatomy, A Love Story by Dana Schwartz. And you can also check out her podcast, Noble Blood. Which you've been listening to for quite a while now, I right? have, I have. And um, it's about uh, women in history uh, who were nobility and who did some very, very cool things. And some of the things that they did that kind of get overshadowed by uh, the men in their lives. So I find that really interesting. And she's got a really great voice. And I really enjoy uh, both the book and the podcast. Did she narrate her own book? No. Um, oh, that's odd. I was think kind a of podcaster sad. writing a book, they I would do the audiobook. A little bit sad about it. But it's like more voice actors. Oh, okay. Um, so there's like multiple people reading in the audiobook. Um, but I, I was really hoping that she'd at least do like a narrator role or something. Yeah, that would make sense. I really enjoy her voice. And um, I was kind of hoping that her book would be done by her. Off the top of your head, do you have a favorite voice in podcasting? I feel like Aaron Mankey. Mm -hmm. I really like Aaron Mankey. And then probably Dana Schwartz. Mm. And Dana Schwartz is actually on um, Grim and Mild, the podcast network that oh, Aaron right. Mankey started. Yeah. So that's how I found that podcast. I'd go Phoebe Judge. Phoebe Judge does have a really good voice. Glenn Washington has a special place in my heart. And Ira Glass kind of got me into podcasting. Oh, yeah. Glenn Washington is really good. Um, and I really enjoy Spooked. I don't know that I've listened to much of his non-spooky content. Yes, I've been listening to him for like... 10 plus years so to me his voice is scary stories right which is cool too yeah and i i really enjoy him for that and of course us and of course andy <laughs> randawa uh, not me <laughs> yours you have a good voice oh thanks it really i listened to like a bit of the first episode and i don't even sound like myself i feel like i figured my voice out somewhere in the i've been sounding less like season. myself as we go oh. because my uh, like we were talking about my customer service voice, customer service voice, <laughs> or my child talking voice uh -huh. starts infiltrating into my life a lot more. Uh -huh. And I just talk like that all the time now. It's hard to escape. It is. It's it very, is. very hard to escape. Okay, well, Andy, it's time. What are we watching for next week? So at some point in this whole uh, 
experiment the podcast that is the, the experiment of the podcast yeah i always say like i want to bring the same level of uh criticism or insight or like digging for things to every movie and mm-hmm. that was kind of a, a big part of my thesis of this podcast like everything is as valuable as everything else if you put the effort in mm-hmm. uh, whatever movie you like if you're able to talk about it and explain what it means to you that is a valuable choice i'm not here for this is high art this is popcorn or everything else so let's let's put that to the test <laughs> okay so this is going to be the first movie i've done this year maybe it, in quite some time that it, the Rotten Tomato score is under 85. Oh my god. And it's under 40. What? This is maybe my lowest rated movie that I picked. Oh, I did do Mac and Me. Oh, right. But Mac and Me is goddamn that's so good. But I was going <laughs> to I'm not counting that. Um no, cuz that was intentionally bad. So and this, that's the joy of it. Yeah, this might be the lowest. I'm really interested to know what it is now because you're usually like, "Oh, Rotten Tomatoes agrees with me." <laughs> Often. Yeah, yeah, often they do. <laughs> do you have guesses? Porkies. Weird? No, just kidding. <laughs> I was like, I've been asking you all week. This is a movie that kind of launched a $2 billion man. Oh, Tom Cruise? No. His movies have grossed over $2 billion now. And we are going back to 1995 oh to the movie that would start the whole idea of a man with arrested development is acting like a child and you know what he's gonna go on to do the same thing for another 30 40 years and make billions of dollars doing the same thing we're going back to school with billy madison oh do you know that movie the adams it's adam sandler yeah i know it's adam sandler um, I don't really know much about it. What do you know about Adam Sandler? Um, that he usually plays the like big doofus in movies. Mm-hmm. He's like uncoordinated and like bad at life. I mean, yeah, that's not far. I, I'm like trying to figure I out. I don't know how about to... the uncoordinated. I think he might be normally coordinated, but an idiot usually. Yes, an idiot. Yeah. And I think um He's usually, like now, because he does romantic comedies, I think he's usually paired with someone who is like seven times hotter than he is. True. He's always the like everyday guy. But where did that start? (laughs) Billy Madison. Okay. I'm excited. Like so many things, this movie, I would argue, is a, a satire of those types of movies where there is a comedic performer with a defined persona, your... Robin Williams, your Billy Crystals, your Steve Martins. And this was a a thing in the 80s and 90s. And then they would be placed in a position where they're a lovable underdog and their own personal quirks and comedy are going to come out and they're going to win you over. That was an established thing. Billy Madison comes along and I would argue takes that to such an extreme point that it is, in fact, satirizing that whole thing only to have Adam Sandler go on and to be the defining person of the genre he once satirized, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. So this is going to be a movie about a lot of 
dumb jokes <laughs> and it's like barely 90 minutes i think it's like 86 minutes oh or my something. goodness didn't even make it to 90 and it's nonsensical a lot of the time but i feel like i can talk about this movie with the same insight that i brought to chunking express seven samurai and citizen kane and mean girls i think this movie is just as valuable for that discussion mm-hmm. i'm not gonna say oh no you're gonna love it i'm not saying that you might hate it <laughs> there's a very good chance but what i am saying is there is enough valuable content in this dare i say to the history of modern cinema whoa that it is worth talking about okay and, and that being said when i was uh 14 i thought it was hilarious <laughs> You know what? I'm pretty sure I think it's hilarious now, too. Oh, I'm really excited to revisit those comments because I, uh, when was the last time you saw this? I have seen it in the last two years. Okay. Okay. I was going to say, if you haven't seen it in a long time, sometimes things don't. I may have been in an altered state of mind at that point. (laughs) (laughs) And you thought it was hilarious. I think it's remarkable. Okay. And I do think it is funny. Okay. Do I think it's all funny? We'll see. Okay. That, it'll depend. But there are definite moments that are laugh out loud funny. And I think there's a lot to to talk about. And I think at some times, I think it's smarter than we think. It's regarded as a dumb comedy. Yeah. I think it's smarter than that. Hmm. I'm not saying it's Porky's or anything. I don't know. Actually, Porky's <laughs> is probably way dumber. But like maybe this movie is a comment on the wealthy and what they are doing to society. Maybe mm-hmm. it is. Maybe a penguin gives Chris Farley a hand job. I don't know. All sorts of crazy things are happening in this movie. Wow. Both of those two things equally valid. Okay. Well, I look forward to next week when we discuss this because I'm really interested uh, to know um my own thoughts on it obviously but also uh if it stands the test of time do you have any predictions or maybe not even predictions what are you expecting or hoping for from this um i think like i said there'll be a very uh beautiful woman yep check i think it's a group of guys who act like teenage boys you might even go younger than that, but yep. Okay, check. but like, like they act way like children. Yes. yes, like like way below their actual ages. Yep. Um, that is the premise. Oh, the premise. Do you know the premise of this movie? No. That what you just said. Yeah. That's where we start, and then out of some like ridiculous happens happenstance and things that don't really make sense, but for the movie, sure they do. Uh, he has to then go to school. Because he uh, has wasted his life in order to get his uh, family business for, oh. to inherit. He has to uh, re-graduate from high school. Okay. But he's starting at grade one. Oh, he's like starting from the beginning, yeah. beginning. I assumed it would school. be like, oh, go do grades nine through 12. <laughs> wow. Okay. So he's got to do all He the- might start in kindergarten, actually. Yeah, I think hijinks will ensue. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel like it probably has a happy ending. You know what? Why do we even have to watch it? (laughs) 
for that penguin comment. Don't you want to find out where that comes in? I do want to know where the penguin comes in. Do you want to find out how many clowns die in this movie? Oh. We'll see. Okay. What have you seen of his? You've seen kind of the romantic comedy Adam yeah, Sandler like the of the later 2000s? stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really only know him as like a leading man to someone better looking than him. Well, that's not going to change in this one. Yeah, he's over the top in a way that is very lazy. How so? Um, I just feel like he's like going to the extreme in his acting. Um, but but without any real direction to it. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's just like like people who imitate guys' voices. You know how like when women imitate guys' voices, it's always like this, and it's yeah, just yeah. like blah, blah, blah. that is Adam Sandler, that voice. <laughs> I'm not gonna argue that, and I'm not gonna say that that's not present here. But I think he started doing all of those things mm-hmm. with intent at one point, but that intent has been lost over the years. Right, because he made a billion, two billion dollars. Two billion dollars box office this and man. And who needs morals mm-hmm. <laughs> or intent? <laughs> well, I think what he does now is exactly what I would do if I were in his position. He only does movies with his friends that take place in Hawaii so he yeah. can go on a vacation with all of his best friends. Yeah. It's it's brilliant. It's brilliant, really. yeah. And production pays for it. Yeah. And he has like a production company too, so he yeah. can make a lot of the calls. Happy Madison. Yes. Named after Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison, the right. two movies that kind of launched him and I would say probably still his best too. Although, you know what? I find Click oddly compelling. <laughs> oh, I don't remember Click. He has a remote control that does whatever uh, Kate Beckinsale's in it. Oh, okay. And then he does some serious movies, which are actually good. Like oh. Punch Drunk Love is a good movie. Hmm. Just a straight up good movie. And then you realize like, oh, yeah, was he an actor once? Huh. <laughs> or he became an actor then, at least. Right. He wasn't just a caricature. I would love to do a podcast on Adam Sandler. Not uh-huh. that I am a fan. I probably like yeah, five of his, I don't know, 50 movies. Uh-huh. But it's such an interesting career to me. Yeah. And it says a lot about uh, Hollywood and modern cinema. Yeah. I'm just thinking about like some of the movies that I've seen him in. Um, there's one uh, with Jennifer Aniston called Just Go With It. Oh, terrible. It's just like such a dumb movie. That's not even like dumb fun. No. It's just why why even bother? Yeah. There's no choices being made in those movies. No. And like um, this murder mystery series also with Jennifer Aniston that's yeah. on Netflix. And like it's just a lot of him lucking out and saving the day. Yep. It's like accidentally saving the day. Keep that in mind because okay. that is going to be a big theme. But I think in this movie, well, I'm not going to tell you my take on why okay. it's different in this movie. But yes, absolutely. Okay. You've really tapped into something on really the style of movie. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I'm an idiot, but I'm somehow lovable because I, we're telling you I'm lovable. Yeah. There's no reason these people should love me, but they do. And I win. You know how? happenstance yeah right place right time 100 percent. that is a, a big theme and i think we'll come back to it okay all. excellent good okay um i'm excited about this one just because of the way that you've pitched it <laughs> and i think it's funny honestly i really think it's funny okay 
So uh, check out Adam Sandler's 1995, dare I say, comedic classic, <laughs> Billy Madison. And we're going to talk all about it, sometimes superficially about, wasn't it funny when that kid got hit in the face with a dodgeball? And then we're really going to get into some stuff too, I think, because why not? <laughs> Excellent. That's what okay. we do here. We'll see you next time, everyone. Bye. Goodbye. Back to school, back to school, to prove to dad that I'm not a fool. Is this Got a song that's... Got my lunch packed up, my boots tied tight, hope I don't get in a fight. <laughs> oh, back to school. Oh, I like that song.